This is Tech Dip Voice, a podcast from the Kroc Institute for Tech Diplomacy at Purdue. This podcast features Dr. Meng Chang, Executive Vice President for Strategic Initiatives and Dean of the College of Engineering at Purdue University. Joining him is Eric Ekaden, the Chief Technology Officer at Ericsson. In this episode, they will discuss the continued success of worldwide mobile networks and how to sustain this miracle. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Meng Chen. I'm an executive vice president at Purdue University and the dean of the College of Engineering here. And you are listening to a podcast by the Center for Tech Diplomacy at Purdue, the Global 6G Roadmap Task Force. And today, we're very delighted to have as our guest speaker in this podcast, Eric Ekuden from Ericsson, and I'm going to ask Eric to introduce himself a little bit first. Eric, welcome. Well, thank you, Mung, and uh, good to be with you here. So, uh, as you said, I'm um, Eric Ekuden. I'm the CTO of Ericsson, a company, I would say, mostly known for uh, what we've done in the telecom industry over many decades when it comes to all the generations of uh, mobile technology. And now I would say increasingly also um, in the enterprise space as we digitalize also the the enterprise space. So good to be with you here. Well, thank you, Eric, for joining us. And thank you for being a member of the Task Force on Global Roadmap to 6G at the Center for Tech Diplomacy at Purdue. Well, uh, Eric, you have been talking about the success of worldwide mobile networks as a miracle, the mobile miracle. Love to hear more about your view on why that was a miracle and how do we sustain this miracle? Well, the technology is developing at a rapid speed. And uh, if we look at the last three decades of development, we have actually increased the bit rates in the mobile systems by a factor of a million, so a hundred times per decade. And that in itself, I would say, is a fantastic development. Of course, that also lowers cost for devices and for applications running on top of, of those networks. But it has really fueled, as we know now from the last years of the 4G era, which is creation of the app economy, being the engine of growth, basically across the world when it comes to innovation in applications that are mobile first. And this is across all sectors. Of course, we know it from communications, but you have retail, transportation, shopping, and, and, and much, much more. And that's really why now having passed 8 billion subscriptions around the world in the current technologies, it really enables startups and, and mature businesses, cloud-based businesses to, to flourish around the world. And as we are talking about 6G now, I think we should first reflect a little bit on the 5G status because um, it's uh, moving along very fast and uh, we have already passed some 660 million subscriptions around the world and in just five years time we will pass 4.4 billion subscriptions so now we are using this as an innovation platform not only for consumers with their augmented and virtual reality and game experiences but really also for small for mid-sized businesses and for enterprises and that's really the reason why we look at it as uh, a true innovation engine and uh, serving both the consumers as well as the enterprises. Oh, wonderful. It has indeed been a miracle. I remember when I was a uh, starting researcher looking at 
maybe a future in 3G. Uh, my friends asked me, but why do I need 3G? I said, well, maybe you can uh, read your emails and uh, browse the web on your phone. And they say, well, that's funny. Why would I ever want to do that on my phone? It's supposed mm. to make phone calls. Mm. Well, we have come a long way, but uh, I agree that there's a sense of urgency. We can never just uh, sit there and rest and uh, uh, think that uh, we have already done the work. The innovation engine can never stop. Well, you already mentioned, Eric, that uh, 5G deployment going on right now towards 6G is not only for a consumer mobile experience. It's not just for emails, websites, or Netflix streaming, but also 5G deployment today will transform many other verticals. It will have private enterprise networks and it will change industry 4.0. I have heard that Ericsson is deploying these 5G smart factories here in the United States, and you're building the infrastructure for the next generation tech companies. So this is something that will unlock new disruptive innovative services, will it? It will, for sure, and, and you're absolutely right. So we are building our 5G base station, 5G infrastructure in our own 5G-equipped smart factory in, in Texas. And what that really is, is, uh, and by the way, it has been recognized worldwide as a lighthouse uh, smart manufacturing site, because uh, by, by starting from scratch and equipping it with 5G in the AGVs, in the sensors, of course, all of the uh, AR and VR gear for inspection of uh, circuit boards and, and all the things that you, you expect from a new factory. Doing that in a 5G first mode has really taught us the phenomenal um, advantages that you, you, you get. Of course, the flexibility of not having to, to cable the, the factory, but uh, it also lowers the energy consumption. So up to 25% compared to a reference factory. We're talking about less uh, water waste and a lot of other things that, that really comes from uh, starting with 5G as the digital infrastructure. Now that is becoming, I would say, a reference also for other industries as they uh, go about this digitalization using cellular first or 5G first approaches. But I think that is uh, yeah. one example, Mung, that uh, looks uh, very close to much of the, um, the, the heavy industry and the, and the manufacturing industry. But I would say that we see the same kind of innovation now across American industries, such as the device industry, the application industry itself, the cloud industry and the enterprise industry. They are seeing the same kind of 5G first benefits now by really uh, building on 5G in private settings, as you mentioned, but also 5G in the wide area. I think US is very fortunate to be early out now to have good coverage of 5G, both in the mid bands now and, and the high bands, and of course, rebanding the low bands. So we have 5G practically everywhere. So that's, that's a great start. Mm -hmm. Yes, indeed. Uh, well, people may wonder why cannot we do this with 4G LTE, these smart factories? Uh, why? Is 5G needed? What kind of unique features can 5G give that 4G cannot to enable these smart factories you just mentioned in Texas? Well, the, it comes down to the characteristics. Uh, 5G is built for gigabit per second speeds. It's built for millisecond latencies. And you can also get better control of 
robustness, resiliency and security, as those are, are really top of, uh, of the list when it comes to inbuilt features in 5G. So um, I think in a smart factory, you need all of those. You need it for the, the video and the AR feeds. You need it for the robustness and resiliency. And, and of course, uh, the inbuilt security. But I think you are also bringing up, uh, or when we talk about this, it's important to, to also think about how this is now being rolled out across the world, because 4G is not good enough for the rest of the world either. And, and of course, there is an upgrade cycle now that I mentioned where 5G is being rolled out with the current 5G technology. You see it in Northeast Asia, very leading uh, markets over there. And, uh, and you see it in other uh, parts of the world as well. But there is much more to do there. And this, of course, opened up for those enterprises, those startups and mature companies that are building their applications, American companies that are building for a 5G first experience to, of course, serve the global market as 5G becomes the digital infrastructure practically everywhere around the world. So the world can't really wait, man. I think that's the point. It's, it's happening now and it's a great opportunity. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, manufacturing is going through this transformation. And here in Indiana, in the Midwest part of the United States, the manufacturing DNA is very vibrant and strong as well. Well, 5G is also used for enterprise market segments. And maybe you could explain a little bit how is enterprise different from the consumer markets and uh, what will be the impact of 5G for enterprises? So many enterprises, especially over the last two years, have uh, come to realize that they have much of their workforce uh, to work from anywhere. And, and of course, that comes into how to serve users or enterprise employees in their homes or when they're out and about, either with fixed wireless access using 5G or, of course, a mobile experience. And that's really, uh, uh, I would say, accelerated over the last years here. But also we see increasingly small, medium businesses all the way up to, to large enterprises. They go for a 5G first infrastructure and you could do that with 5G uh, wide area wireless access network access points or 5G routers. So you connect directly from your, your business uh, to the 5G network. And, and of course, that helps you with not only the performance or resiliency that I mentioned, but you could have uh, completely flexible, completely mobile security association with your cloud-based applications and, of course, your enterprise. So it, it really opens up for cost savings, reducing much of the classical IT spend, both the fixed IT infrastructure as well as the IT services. And that's really what they are looking for, a wireless office experience, uh, a 5G first uh, router in, in your small, medium businesses or in your branch offices or, of course, in a large enterprise as well. So there it comes in as, as a direct replacement for the, the old-fashioned infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Well, very exciting as well. Now, coming back, Eric, to the infrastructure point, and there is a lot of conversations right now on open innovation or open networks, and the word open, that means different things in different contexts here, uh, coming from uh, the... Uh, market players and coming from uh, some of the governments and what's your view on this trend panning out in terms of uh, potential new services and deployment of open networks? It comes back very much to uh, the general development of the network industry. So we are horizontalizing the networks. We are making sure that networks uh, and network applications can run on cloud infrastructure. 
Um, in our case, in the Ericsson case, we have already launched our products in that space, the Ericsson Cloud RAM portfolio with cloud-based automation. And, and of course, this uh, allows for deployment of these radio networks in new environments. It could be in enterprise environments, could be in indoor building um, deployments. And that's really, a, a, I think, a great opportunity to, to use flexibility of an open horizontal network. And uh, at the same time, of course, you want to enjoy the scale of uh, what uh, the current 5G technology has. You have the ability to uh, reach all the devices. You have the ability to roam freely around the world and it should work with interoperability and, and uh, uh, really be able to, to, to work from anywhere, so to say. So that kind of openness is already built into the 5G system. But we're complementing that now with openness uh, based on cloud openness so that you can run on, on, on cloud platforms. Now, this is, uh, of course, a, a journey that the uh, full ecosystem need to be involved in. And uh, the industry has taken big steps over the last, uh, I would say, couple of years. And in fact, as uh, um, one of the, the strong contributors and, and the leader in many of these working groups, Ericsson is already pioneering and driving open specification, like in the ORAN Alliance work when it comes to the cloud-based uh, 5G systems and, and beyond. And of course, also when it comes to management and orchestration in a, a horizontal infrastructure. So all of these things are now maturing. Um, it doesn't mean that everything is uh, optimized and has the highest performance day one. But as an industry, I think we are committed to, to take these steps and make sure that this becomes an opportunity for, for growing the, the business, but also for uh, making even better use of high performance networks. One thing that is coming up in, I would say, most of my discussions with customers nowadays is the importance of uh, energy performance. How can you ensure that you have the, the right energy consumption of your 5G network? How can you ensure that uh, you're using all the spectrum that you have in the best possible way so, so you're not wasting energy or you're not wasting spectrum. And of course, that calls for, I would say, migration very much about using the technology that we have today, the 5G systems that are rolled out around the world, and then it will migrate towards new deployments, uh, new um, kind of rollouts where these um, horizontal cloud-based radio access networks will over time take a bigger and bigger role. I think there is another part when we talk about openness, Mung, and that's really how can you connect to a network and build your own applications on top of it, be it uh, running on the edge cloud or using uh, services such as network slicing. Many uh, advanced consumer services, especially in the entertainment and the gaming space, they already require higher performance than you can get from a best effort 4D network. So by connecting it to network slices, you can actually get a higher grade of service and that's, of course, also what uh, enterprises require. These enterprises require open access to the network so that they can, wherever they are, enjoy this more virtual private 5G network with quality of service guarantees. All of those things, the open interfaces to these network slices, they are built into the systems, the standards, and of course, our products from the start. So you have network slice capabilities in devices and endpoints. You have them in the radio access network. You have them in the transport and the core networks, and of course, on the orchestration side, all the way to the cloud providers. This is an excellent area showing the way that the industry can collaborate across networks and cloud and applications to really tie it together. So despite the fact that it's all built on 
open interfaces, open systems, you can really create great experiences. Uh, there is an exciting uh, wide range of uh, different types of uh, open indeed. And uh, you mentioned exciting range of performances, including energy efficiency, spectral efficiency, but also throughput and latency. So let me uh, wrap up this uh, podcast with you by asking just how good of a speed and how good of a responsiveness can all these new technologies and open and edge and provide uh, the end users with? Today, we already see the uh, millisecond range for uh, well-managed networks. We are down to 15, 10 milliseconds, in some cases even below that. And, and you can certainly get that in, in uh, environments such as in a smart factory. And we are already talking about 500 to 1,000 megabit per second, so gigabit per second speeds if the application so need it. But that comes back, of course, to putting the right requirements on the network. Some applications will need this uh, extreme performance. Others will, of course, enjoy best effort with really good capacity instead. So it's, it's, a, it's a combination. Thank you, Eric. You are listening to a podcast series episode by the Center for Tech Diplomacy at Purdue in Global Roadmap to 6G Task Force. And you are just listening to Eric Ikuden, the Chief Technology Officer of Ericsson. Thank you. This has been Tech Dip Voice, a podcast from the Kroc Institute for Tech Diplomacy at Purdue. Further information on some of the issues discussed in this podcast can be found on our website, techdiplomacy.org.